Good morning. There was like six of me there for a second. Are there still six or should I move it out like this? Does that sound better? All right. Good morning again. Uh, it's good to see everybody here today. Um, I'm, a, uh, I'm a soccer coach and uh, one of the privileges I get every once in a while, one of the anxious moments is right before game time when uh, my team that's supposed to have 11 players on the field has like eight or nine. You know, it's kind of like you're kind of waiting for that ninth and 10th and 11th player to show up and it wouldn't even hurt if you had a sub once in a while. And I think uh, whenever I come up here to speak, um, there's always kind of that moment at about 10.30 when there's maybe about seven of you here and they're all, you know, they're like three here and two there and one over there. And I'm in here thinking, no one's going to show up today. <laughs> it's just going to be me. I'm going to talk to Rob and a few people over here. And my fiance, she'll be here. She has to. <laughs> so uh, kind of along those same lines, it's, uh, it's always good to see a nice, good crowd here um, for me to speak. And as I say that, I need to let you in on a little secret about today's message. And that is that this was, this was not a very fun message uh, to prepare. And I say that because of kind of the topic and kind of some things that are going on in my life. A few weeks ago when Rob was talking to me, actually more than a few weeks ago, when we were just kind of talking about the different life talk or the different messages that we were going to be talking about, we were talking about marks of a follower, talking about the whole series. And he was talking about all the different uh, messages that we were going to speak on, the different topics that we were going to cover over the course of that six or eight weeks. And uh, I looked at humility, and he said, you know, if there's one in there that you want to talk about, let me know. And I looked at humility, and I went, I want to talk about that one, because I am awesome at talking about humility. <laughs> I've got it coming out my ears. I'm not kidding you. Um, I think, no, I know I am the most humble person that I know. It's in my circles. Um, it's kind of funny. I did, uh, I did ask for this week, I did want to talk about humility, and I don't know why. Maybe it was the Holy Spirit kind of pushing me a little bit in, um, because this has been a really, it's been a really difficult message to prepare. Um, but I want to back up just a step. I want to talk a little bit about my car. My car normally is, is somewhat organized. It's somewhat clean. And I say somewhat because it's a car, so it gets dirty. Um, but this week, my car has been an absolute mess. And the worst, the worst part of my car right now is my back seat. It, I've had a really busy week, so there have been a lot of things that have been kind of accumulating in that back seat. I have jackets, and I have soccer balls, and I have a, a small first aid kit, and I have things from a pizza party I was at yesterday, so I have a whole bunch of books that I was going to give out, and I have gift cards. And because the pizza party yesterday was for a golf program that I run, so I have, like, golf balls and tees I have so much stuff back there that I'm almost to the point where I think I'm just going to wait it out. I'm going to kind of wait and see how long and just start picking things out as I need them, and hopefully at some point it'll be empty. I'm thinking this is a good approach. But the problem is, is that when you drive around and you've got stuff in your back seat and you turn corners, what happens? Everything shifts. And so here I am driving. I'm trying to focus on the road because that's what you're supposed to do. You're not supposed to text or talk on the phone or eat or any of the same at the same time. Um, you're supposed to just focus on the road when you're driving, right? So here I am driving, I turn the corner, and there's stuff that's like falling all over the place, and I'm wondering if anything was of particular value. Um, and then I'm like, okay, well, I can ignore it once, and I'll just kind of 
And I start going around corners more slowly. No reason to clean it out. Just go around corners more slowly, right? <laughs> and stuff still falls out. And so then I start going around corners like this. Because I'm trying to reach for whatever it is back there and see if I can grab it. Of course, paying no attention to the road or the elderly people that are trying to cross at the stopwalk. But that's what this week has been like for me. And trying to prepare this message on, on humility, I am constantly reaching back into the garbage in my life and trying to figure out what's rolling around. And it's, it's been difficult, and I've decided that the only thing more difficult than actually giving a talk on humility is preparing a talk on humility, because guess what passages I've been reading all week? Passages on humility. It's like God is shining his spotlight directly into the little cracks and holes in my life and saying, maybe you need to focus on this. And then once I've said, okay, I'll focus on that, Lord, and I turn around, then he puts a mirror in front of me and says, have you looked at it yet? So I had this wonderful sermon all ready for you about Thursday. Ah, probably Wednesday night, Thursday morning. And I had a wonderful, beautiful outline. It covered a number of different topics. It had my, you know, the, the customary three points with, with passage for each. And uh, Friday I did a lot of praying about it. And then Saturday I had a lot of stuff going on. And so Saturday night after dinner, I finally I opened it up again, and I just, you know, you kind of need to take another look at it, make sure you got in what you want to get in, and all your points are covered, and you've got all the kind of stuff you need in a sermon. You know, you've already looked at the different passages. You maybe checked out a few websites. You've looked at a few commentaries, and everything's in order. And then last night, a little bit maybe later than I would have cared for, the Holy Spirit kind of attacked me a little bit and said, I think I want you to speak about something different as it relates to humility. So you're not going to get what I had on Thursday. What I had on Thursday was kind of a good expository talking about what it means to be humble and how you can become more humble and different people in the Bible that were incredibly humble, of course, Jesus being the main one. And instead, you're going to get a little bit of a look into my life, which I am incredibly uncomfortable with because I really don't like people knowing a lot about me. I don't mind when I share things with people on a one-to-one -one basis, but when it comes to speaking in front of a group, I love to make people laugh, and I love to make people think. I don't like to make people think about who I am. But I really do feel, and I kind of felt a little placement on my heart of a message about humility that was as much for me as it was for you. And that's kind of what I would like to share this morning. So I'm going to look at three different areas, and the question that is on me right now is, what does it mean to be humble? And why do we care? What are the areas in your life? And while I'm talking and I'm sharing things from what's happening with me, what I really want you to do is to not think about me and to just kind of, kind of go into your own life and figure out maybe where some of these passages apply to you. So the first area, the first passage actually that I want to start with is in 1 Peter. And it's 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7. And this is Peter talking to a church. And verses 1 through 4, which I'm not going to talk about, are to elders in the church. So the wise people in the church that know a lot of stuff, that kind of run the church without really running the church. But then 5 through 7 is written to young men. And we know that because the first two words are young men. 
So starting in verse 5, and I just want to read this verse before I talk about it. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. And then right after that, he writes another verse there, writes another sentence that was really interesting to me. Then he writes, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I thought that verse was kind of interesting in its placement because he's talking to young men. He's saying, be submissive, be submissive to the elders because they're older. Clothe yourself with humility, you know, because God approves and, excuse me, opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves, Lord, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Basically telling them to be humble and relax. Listen to the people that are wise and know what they're doing. Be a good person and be humble. And then he says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he will build you up in due time. So I'm engaged now. I made kind of a public, uh, public announcement about that a few weeks ago in church hearing announcements. And uh, Meredith, my very beautiful, because I'm going to talk about her in a moment, so you've got to start with that. Very beautiful fiance is in the back. She's turning red right now. That's all right. I'll pay for that later, but that's okay. She need, needed to be done. And uh, we've been planning a wedding. And um, when I proposed to the beautiful Meredith, I had visions of marriage and visions of married life. And a lot of those things that are involved in that married life, I was very comfortable with. I was ready for. Meredith and I get along really well. I love her. She loves me. Everything's perfect. Um, But what I wasn't thinking about when I proposed was preparing for the wedding. Now, those of you that are married... I'm sure all of you had easy engagements. Everything went perfectly. You agreed on the photographer and the flowers and the dresses and the colors of the tie that the groomsmen would be wearing and where you go on your honeymoon and how you'd get the plane tickets and where you go on that honeymoon and what you do. And, you know, and I'm sure you agreed on everything, right? Yeah, you don't agree on everything. And this week, and not necessarily that we were disagreeing on things, but it just seemed like everything that I was maybe thinking about how we should go about things was maybe not exactly the same way that she was thinking about the way we should do things. And they weren't necessarily things that were completely opposite. Sometimes they were very similar, but just one was a little bit different. And one of us was maybe a little bit proud about the way he was thinking about how things should be. And it caused some friction, and it caused some maybe interference in terms of getting some of these things done and accomplished. And so I read this verse, and the last two verses, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. And I take this verse, and when I read that, all I'm thinking to myself is, maybe there's something in there for me. And maybe those thoughts I had about the particular photographer we're going to use, maybe it isn't just about me. Maybe there's someone else in this relationship that it's about as well. And not that that should have been like a moment of enlightenment for me, because obviously I well know that there are plenty of other people in this world. It's not just about me. 
But it's just kind of funny when you get to that point and you're arguing about something, you're saying, no, I like this part of it, and I like this part of it, and you kind of build yourself up, and you're talking just about what you want, and then you read this verse, you read this passage, and you realize, maybe I need to back up a step, and maybe I need to rethink what I'm doing and how I'm bringing things out. And then that last verse, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I wondered about why that verse was in there when I first read this passage. Then after a few moments this week of maybe a disagreement or two about wedding plans, I realized God puts that in there because he knows in moments where you disagree, in moments where you have to humble yourself, there's an immediate anxiety about not getting what you want. And this happens in every argument that I've ever been in and probably will be in. There's that moment when you're so headstrong and so ready to get exactly what you want and to get your point across that you have to humble yourself and realize that it's about two people, not just about one. And at that moment, there's anxiety there. There's a worry that somehow, in some way, life is like going to end because you didn't get the exact flower arrangement that you wanted. And trust me, I didn't care about the flowers. But I think the point is well made whether it's a disagreement with a fiancé or whether it's talking to someone at the coffee shop or whether it's a teacher or a student or a child, son or daughter, those disagreements, those areas where you get into that friction and you have to be humble and you get anxious because you think you might not get your point across that you have to realize that God will lift you up in due time. And whatever it is that you are so consumed with, it's probably going to be all right. I think about these people that Paul's writing to, and the first part says young men in this same way. So I'm going to assume I'm a young man because that's who, who Peter's writing to here. And young men in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. So God is talking to people in our situation. God is talking to people that are maybe having a few friction moments or some interesting relationships with maybe some of the elders. And then I thought to myself, why do you think Peter is talking to young men? Well, I, have, I teach middle school, and those kids know everything. Just ask them. <laughs> and so I can see Peter speaking to those young men and saying, young men, listen to your teacher. Young men, be humble. Humble yourselves in the moments of disagreement. Don't worry about it. Don't be anxious because God will lift you up in due time. And that's important for me to remember and maybe important for us all to remember. The second passage this week that um, really kind of took it to me is in Philippians. And uh, it's in Philippians chapter 2, and it is verses 1 through 5. And uh, I'm going to read the first two verses, or 1 through 4. And I'm going to read the first two verses If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Now, this is Paul talking to the church at Philippi. And one of the interesting things about the church at Philippi is that it is, it's a fairly, I don't want to say rich church, but it's a decent, like, financially comfortable church. They're not necessarily in need here. This is a, it's a Roman colony. So these are successful, more than likely a lot of retired military folks that are in this church. 
and they're not, their past is not Jewish. Their past was more than likely being a Roman. And so now that they are Christians, he's talking to them. And basically he's saying specifically in that first verse, if you find yourself being a Christian, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship from the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, it's a big if statement. He's putting a condition on it. If this is who you are, if you're a Christian and you're taking some comfort from that, if you're receiving the benefits of being a Christian and having that relationship with Christ, then make my joy complete. You could say that. Then make me happy by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Now, it, the interesting, the part that kind of, kind, of, kind of stuck with me there was being like-minded. Um, because I don't, I don't always think that you, you need to, um, I don't know, cut down a tree the same way, or you don't need to drive a car, you know, the same exact car the same way. I, I really do feel at times that we are different people, and we are different for a purpose. So the first time I read that through, I'm like, is, is Paul trying to tell these people to be the same? But he's not telling them to be the same kind of people. He's not telling them all to have the same spiritual gifts. He's basically saying there, come together on the important things. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. He's talking to a church, and he's telling them, if you are a Christian and you receive the benefits of being a Christian, then what you really need to do is need to start focusing on the important things of being a Christian together. So I have no idea what's going on in the church at Philippi at this time, but there's possibly, there's maybe a little bit of strife. Maybe there's a few little schisms in that church. And people don't always agree with what's going on. And Paul's not saying here that all of those little breaks in people's opinions are bad things. I think what he's saying here is figure out the important stuff. Being like-minded. Having the same love. So he lays that out. And it's kind of a, a, kind of a preamble for me. Kind of a preset, okay? If then. And now he's ready to hit them with kind of the important part of this passage, kind of the meat on this bone. And this is in verse 3 and 4. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. And it was that part of the passage that hit me straight between the eyes on Thursday night. Um... I run a golf program during the summer, and there is a particular, it's golf and caddy program, and there's a particular caddy that uh, I'd kind of gotten to know over the last couple of years, and his name is, is Carlos. And Carlos is a unique kid, and the first couple of years that I knew Carlos, we got along really well. We were just friends. We were buds. And I, you know, kind of helped him out, you know, got him going in his caddying, and so he was making some money. He was happy. And then this past summer, he was an absolute pain. I could do nothing right with Carlos. No matter how many phone calls I made, no matter how many events that I invited him to, no matter how many times I tried to kind of come around him and kind of put an arm around him and say, Carlos, everything's going to be good. Everything's going to be okay. Um, we just, you know, I, I'm sure you're struggling a little bit. I did talk to his dad, and he was struggling in, in uh, school at the, beginning, at the end of the spring there, so I knew that there was maybe some issues. I just didn't know what the issues were. 
But I remember thinking in August that I was just kind of through with this kid. If he wasn't going to respond to me how I was coming at him, then as far as I was concerned, there were other caddies that I could spend my time with. There were other kids that could and were very well deserving of my time. So in a way, I kind of quit calling him for different things. I quit encouraging him to show up at golf. And I quit talking to his parents about, you know, different struggles in Carlos's life. And so I was making my phone calls this week to invite kids to our pizza party yesterday. And uh, I talked to Carlos's dad, and he said that Carlos is in a six- to eight-month treatment plan for depression. And that apparently Carlos had made an attempt on his life, which kind of brought that on. So then I look back to this summer, and I look back to those moments where I had opportunities to talk and to speak into Carlos's life, and I didn't see it. Sometimes with kids, you can see it. You can see when they need a hug. You can see when they need a quick word. You can see when what they need to hear from you is not you need to get right, and you need to, you need to respond when I call. Sometimes they need another phone call. I don't know that I could have done anything. I'm not a psychiatrist. I don't have a lot of counseling experience, so I don't know if there's anything I could have done or said to help Carlos through. But I do know my thoughts at that time, that I thought that I was here and that there were other people that could use me. And if he was going to stay down here and treat me like that, then you know what? Whatever. So that was hard because now I read this verse and I read those second two verses. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. And it's like a punch in the stomach (laughs) consistently and continuously. His dad was wonderful on the phone. He just said, we are so thankful for everything you've done for Carlos in the last couple of years, and we know, and they're a family of faith. And he said, we know that God's going to pull him through this and everything's going to be okay. So I read this text, and it kind of has a little bit of new meaning for me. Because in this passage, humility is not about anything other than a set of priorities and a priority list for where you are in the structure. God is up here, and others are right here, and you are underneath. And I certainly am not telling you, I don't think Paul is telling you that you need to consistently be at the bottom of every single priority list you make. Because even in that last part, each of you should look not only to your own interests, so he's kind of saying, I know you're going to look to your interests, but also to the interests of others. But certainly he's setting some kind of expectation there that you need to have a little bit of humility. That you need to see others and you need to talk to others. You need to talk to God. And you're placing God first. You place others next. You need to put yourself underneath sometimes. It wasn't my fault this summer, as his dad pointed out, that Carlos is in treatment. But part of me doesn't ever again want to make that phone call and hear that information and to remember things that I thought and to remember things that I did that put me first. We are sinful human beings. <laughs> the, part, the first part of humility is, reason, is, is understanding that and is remembering that we are not perfect and we are never going to be. 
But I think if you start those habits of being humble, if you start those moments where you put somebody else first consistently, I think those habits are going to grow and people are going to see that humility and that mark of a Christian is going to be evident to everybody that you meet. So then my last point, simply put, uh, is, is Jesus. And the reason why my last point is Jesus is because sometimes we think about humility and we want to know how does it look to be humble and we kind of want to look at ourselves and take a step back and kind of look and see, do I look like a humble person? Am I doing what I need to do to, be, to look humble? And as soon as you start thinking that, you realize it's probably not a humble thought. If you're just trying to look humble, you're missing the point. My final point is Jesus is because he never tried to look humble. He just was. Every passage that I read, every point where I look at something that Jesus did, it was ingrained in everything he talked about, in every action he put out there, in every person he talked to. Humility was first. God, others, Jesus. He was born in a barn, not quite fit for the king of kings. As he started his ministry, he did interesting things like washed his disciples' feet. He spent time with sinners. He spent time with children. And when his disciples started arguing about who would sit on his right hand and his left, he said, you're missing the point. For Jesus, humility was about action. It was about how he acted. And one of my prayers for restoration as we think about humility this week is we think about how that action looks as a church, how we put ourselves in that priority list, that we look to trust God and kind of quell our anxieties a little bit and put them down and say, you know what, I think we just need to act this way and not worry so much that we're not going to get our way. Humility is about trust. Humility is about priorities. And humility truly is about Jesus. Because every time you start bringing yourself up, God starts coming down. And you can't have a humble spirit any other way other than to reverse that. Humility is not about being humbled or being in a situation that makes you feel humble. Humility is about an attitude. It's about an action. It's about setting your priorities right. It's about trusting God that you can act this way and still let God get your way. And this week, <laughs> it's been interesting. You know, you keep reading verses and passages about humility and it starts to strike you that maybe you think you know a lot about something, but very often, it's not about what you know, it's about what you do and how you do it. I want you to, for a second, I just want you to stop and I, you can't use Jesus for this. I want you to think about somebody in your life who is truly humble. Just want you to think about that person for a second. If it helps to you to close your eyes, please close your eyes. But I want you to think about what you see in that man or that woman? What is it about their life that you look at and you say, 
that person is truly humble? How do they treat you? How do they treat people in a restaurant? How do they act on a regular basis? My guess is that they treat people well, regardless of who that person is in their life. My guess is that when they go to the coffee shop and they order their latte, they say thank you and you can sense that it's genuine. My guess is that person trusts God and doesn't worry if they don't get their way in an argument. My guess is that they have their priority list perfect and they don't have to try to do it. That God comes first, that others come second, and they come third. And finally, I'm guessing that that they act on their humility. I read a quote this week that I really kind of take to heart, and that is that humility is the only surefire way to avoid humiliation. If we are proactive as a church in being humble, if we, next week, when we prepare these boxes for the military and we do it with love and we do it because not because we want to show and share a message with the military that we are humble but if we do it because we are truly humble because we really want to it does as much for us as it will for them I challenge you this week find those areas in your life like I found in my life trust God don't be anxious Set your priorities right. And remember that humility is an action. It means as much about what you do as how you act. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, time and again, I come to you as an individual and I'm humbled by what I realize I don't know about life relationships and people and I just I pray for guidance I pray for that focus that you gave me this week and that spotlight that you put on areas of my life that I need to work and that I need to seek you better and to hand over to you and I just thank you for those areas and those times as much as they hurt and as much as they're difficult to, to process I just I thank you that they're there and Lord I thank you for your word. I thank you how you reveal yourself to us in the life of Jesus and in the people that are around us that keep us humble, Lord. Thank you for all of these people in this room and thank you for their heart and thank you for their spirit. Please help us to keep our priorities. Please help us to trust you and please help us to act on our humility and to be true servants. Just as Jesus said that he did not come to be served, but to serve others. Please let that be the cry of our heart as well. Pray this in your name, Lord. Amen.